Welcome to So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and joining me from this palatial private undisclosed office room in Chicago, Illinois, is Shelby Mongan. Shelby, how are you? You know, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm good. I'm living the dream right now, which is sitting in an office holding my own microphone talking to Bill. I'm I'm really glad this was an attainable dream and we're just yeah. right now too. I find that the the idiom of like shooting for the moon because at least she'll land among the stars like a also oh my god that doesn't make any sense now that i think about it if you shoot for the moon and you miss you just fall through space like there's no stars close to the moon yeah like i mean you'll land among the stars in the sense that there will be stars in the celestial body you'll have to you'll have to fall for like light years in order to get there's only one star anywhere close to us and it's the sun one it's the big the big sun one how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm doing fine. <laughs> I haven't been ruminating on any uh, common cliched phrases that much lately, so... I hope you find one. It's a good time. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, hey, Shelby. What you playing? Surprising, literally, no one. I'm still playing Overwatch. Um, before I talk about that, though, I was I actually am... I'm, like, pseudo-playing um, Subnautica right now, so a little late to the game, um, but my dear fiancé picked it up. Um, when I had to be out of town for a week, he needed something to do to kill time, um, and had basically exhausted Octopath Traveler. So we needed something else. And so the nice thing about when he plays a game is that I sit next to him and remind him how to play a game because he is very sweet and enthusiastic, but is not always very good at video games. He doesn't listen to this podcast at the moment. I don't know if he'll listen to this. So, uh, do you think he would be offended? His ego would be. He knows. He knows. Okay. Um, But no, so I spend a lot of time, especially for those big open worlds. So if anyone anyone hasn't heard of it, I'm not quite sure because it was on a lot of like year end lists and stuff last year. A lot of people really liked it. Probably good to cover it though. Um, But yeah, so it is a a game. You are a space explorer um, whose ship crash lands on an alien planet that is mostly ocean, mostly water. Um, And it's a survival game. So it's hunting for resources, building up your base, building up machines. Um, discovering the secrets of the alien civilization that does not seem to be anywhere on this planet any longer. Um, And there's a lot bigger, like there's a big narrative that comes as you're able to explore more and more. Um, And it's, it's beautiful. Our PlayStation hates it. It chugs (laughs) constantly. It is a really beautiful game though. And the storyline, they feed it to you in these little tiny chunks. You get these little pieces. Um, but yeah, so I basically sit next to to him on the couch and I just have a constant Google search up, which is Subnautica fill in the blank based on what we're looking for and need to understand. Um, because when you're an adult who doesn't have a ton of time to sink into video games, like you sort of, you need to be efficient with your time. So if you need to find the Grand Reef, you don't, it's a big world. So I'm not just going to swim around and hope I find it. Like you just need to know the direction to go. Right. Yeah. Um, so I've sort of just been playing pseudo through him. The funniest thing about this game though, is that there's a lot of things in the game that will try to murder you like big things. And the game is, if you have a fear of open water, like don't play Subnautica. 
don't play this game. <laughs> CW, Fear of Open Water. Fear of Open Water, which has a name. I can't remember what the name of that. That is actually a phobia, but I don't remember what it's called. Um, but there are a bunch of these, like, giant creatures that will, you'll hear, basically you'll hear, like, a sound cue or a music cue, and then just something will grab your ship, turn it around, grin at you, and then eat your face. Oh, my God. Um, that sucks. It's super funny to watch Chris play it, though, <laughs> because I'll be, like, in the other room doing dishes. And then I'll just hear, ah, and then obscenities. And then um, uh, then I'll hear, it, like, the controller get dropped on the coffee table. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm just a Leviathan just eat you, buddy. Are you okay? Um, but, yeah, so it's been it's been really fun to watch that. And I'm, like, picking up the story in pieces, which I'm really, really enjoying. Um, but, of course, per usual, the game I'm playing is Overwatch. Um, and there's actually a lot going on in Overwatch. All right, so right for now. Shelby's Overwatch minute, we take a uh, one minute to no, we're, we're not. It's it's cute that you think that it'll only take a minute. Uh, no, <laughs> I will be brief. Uh, <laughs> I but can there, be as long as you want. Yeah. There is a lot of exciting stuff happening right now, though. So the two, I think the two kind of biggest pieces of news, and then one big piece of anticipation. So the biggest news right now is we have a new hero. Um, his name is Baptiste. He is beautiful um he's also a new healer which is exciting um he has sort of a grenade style heal um with a three round um damage shot capability as well so if you've ever played team fortress 2 which a lot of people i know went from one to the other or used to play team fortress back in the day like i did um it's demo man but healing basically all right Um, cool cool awesome because he is um haitian He's a Haitian character uh, from formerly of Talon, the evil organization in the lore of the game, um, and has a really interest, like a really interesting backstory. Overwatch plays constantly with this narrative of what happens after a really big, big conflicts all over the world, right? So the Omnics, the robots, there was an uprising, there was a lot of war, there was a lot of fighting, there was a lot of death, and then how does the world respond to it? In the case of Baptiste and his friends, they rise up to help defend their their country um and then very slowly um they try to find work because they found out they're good at he's a field medic so he's good at killing he's good at healing um so he tries to find work he finds work as a mercenary he slowly figures out that he is working for talon who is the evil organization and he's become the thing that he hated so both dramatic comically dramatic twist but also a genuinely an interesting philosophical question of like are you a bad person if you're it's the frog in cold water as that water boils over time if it's slow it doesn't notice and it'll you can boil him alive without him noticing um it's that sort of situation so uh really really cool interesting mechanic we need another healer really bad right now um there's a lot of questions about breaking up the goats meta goats meta being either three three tanks or three tanks three supports or four tanks two supports um which is dominating professional league, dominating high ranks, is nowhere to be found in mid to low ranks. So it's only kind of some of a problem for a small portion of the population. But it's the portion of the population that is both loud and makes Blizzard the most money, so fair. Um, So I I think it'll be interesting to see. He's got some controversial powers, but some interesting things. Um, He was launched live on Tuesday as of recording. Um, so very, very recently, he'll be live in comp soon, and he will be live for the second stage of Overwatch League, which will be interesting to see if anyone plays him. How does Baptiste threaten to break up the GOATS meta, or is how is he designed to do that? So this has actually been the interesting thing, following Overwatch closely, as I, as I do, arguably too closely. 
um, that there is this period after a hero is released where there's a lot of theory crafting and where people are just not sure what to do with them. Um, Baptiste doesn't support goats super well. He doesn't not support goats, but he doesn't, he is not directly a goats um, support in the same way that like Zen Lucio Brig is just just makes them a monster, right? Just stick all the tanks and the supports in one place and do murder. It's hard to kill them. It, it's pretty standard. Um, so he doesn't fit as comfortably into that space. Um, he is made to play a little bit further back most of the time. He's a little bit different kind of support. He enables different comps. So I think that's the way it, he might make other setups easier to play. So he might make... Um, my favorite pun name for a comp, which is pulled pork, uh, which is Arisa and um, Roadhog, because Arisa pulls them and the pork cooks them. Um, so he's, he does he works really well with the pulled pork comp. He works really well with Ryan Zarya. He works really well with other comps that aren't goats. So my hope is that we'll see some change in play. The other thing is one of his abilities is an immortality field. So it basically caps you at a small, I think it's like, it's 20% of your total health. Um, so you can get damaged all the way down to that, but you can't get damaged past that place. If you're a 200 HP hero, you can get down to 40 HP, but you will not die as long as you're in this field for a short period of time. Um, really great for nullifying uh, different ultimates. Really great for um, brawling in team fights and winning out, changing team fights potentially. Um, but it's hard because it's early days. We just don't know what he's going to do. We, we haven't seen him in comp. We haven't seen him in a lot of places. I don't know... I don't think he's going to get played much, to be honest. Huh. Um, okay. However, he's so much fun to play. I love him. I'm going to main him. He's beautiful. He's also very sarcastic. All his voice lines are wonderful. Anyone who plays support in any game can understand the feeling. Um, there is a voice line he has that says, oh, yeah, definitely kept you alive. Good. Yeah, you're welcome. Happy to help, <laughs> basically. Like, it's it's fantastic. Um, so he's a, he's a fun jolt. He's a really fun jolt of um, a little bit of lore in the game as well. Uh, we will also uh, hopefully, maybe, I don't know, I don't think so, but we might be seeing him as a part of the Archives event this year, which is the big lore event. Normally it's a big PvE um, in-game event of some sort. So last year that bar was set high because Retribution is the best thing Overwatch has done, um, which was an awesome event with Blackwatch where they were infiltrating. And um, so they give you a roster of four characters and you play through some sort of PVE scenario, different levels of difficulty. It's a lot of fun. Retribution was awesome. Um, so they have really high standards this year. Uh, we typically get archives first or, se- or second week of April. So we should be getting it really soon. Everyone thinks it's going to be a Talon uh, a talent event this time around. So because the first time it was just like the Overwatch, straight up people. Overwatch. Yep. So, so that yeah. was the first one was Ryan Torb, Mercy, and Tracer. Uh, the second one for Retribution was Moira McCree, Genji, and Reaper um, going on an ops mission in Rialto in Italy um, for Black or for um, Blackwatch, which is the sort of like undercover. We don't play by the rules group Ooh. of Overwatch. Um, and so we're hoping that this will be in a Talon event, which if it's Talon means we'll probably get Sombra, Doomfist, Moira, somebody, unclear who. Well, there's like Widow and Baptiste. Widow, probably. People, right? Widow, probably. Maybe Baptiste. I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm really curious to see what happens with it. Um, so it'll be fun. And uh, for 
lots of friends of mine and I who who love the game, but we really love the lore. Like Baptiste was a, a little hint into the lore. Archives is always a hint into the lore. It's very we want to get more. We're I mean people are a little unsatisfied, I think, for good reason. But um, anything that we can get right now, we're excited to have our hands on. Awesome. And then of course League is going great. Uh, stage one is ending as of recording. The uh, stage one playoffs are beginning. Only one of my, oh my God, I'm rooting for like four teams right now. Only one of them made to the playoffs. So we are rooting for Toronto Defiant right now. Didn't one team, wasn't it the Shanghai team, broke their losing streak? <sighs> oh, did they break their losing? So I watched and like got teary-eyed that night. It was an incredible feeling. Twitter the next day was so good. Um, yeah, so Shanghai lost literally every single match they played last season. It was bad. They were 0-46, I think. No disrespect, but that's No, it bad. was really, really bad. Yeah. Um, they went through a lot of drama, a lot of shakeups. Um, and they not only did they take their first map ever in Stage 1, but they've actually been playing pretty well. Um, they acquired Gamsu part of the way through the season in that, like, or through the stage and Gamsu has been huge for them. I think they really, things are starting to fall in place for them. So cool. Yeah. Really excited for Shanghai. Um, Defiant is my team that is actually in the playoffs. My actual, my beloved LA Valiant. Who boy, they are a garbage fire right now. So we're just going to pretend that's not happening and just, just back put, away. Just back. They, they fired their coach. A lot of drama. They did not win a single game in the first stage. It was bad. Um, I still love them, but oofa doofa, it was bad. Uh, but people are enjoying watching um, Vancouver, actually, has come out of nowhere, and they're great. Like, they're they're top of the top of the league right now, and I don't know. I mean, some people called it, but it was not – they were not going – people were not seeing them as the ringers, right? They didn't see them as the top of the heap, undisputed. That was NYXL, um, which they are still doing. They're having a great season also, but, man, Vancouver – I really regret not taking more Vancouver players on my fantasy league, but I was just like, I don't know. I want, I don't want those guys. I want, I want NYXL, and then I want the teams that I root for. And yeah, I that's screwed a way up. To play. That's fine. It. I mean, I'm winning one of my fantasy leagues, so it's okay. But still, like, oh, I regret not taking anyone from Vancouver. <laughs> Oof. But yeah, so lots happening in the world of Overwatch. It is not yet dead. Apex has not killed it. I heard Apex is a mess right now. Anyway, it's a mess. Oh, really? What happened? Um. There, so there are devs who can write and cheat, like people that just are going to be hacking the game and stuff. Yeah. The software that Apex is built on apparently is fairly easy for people who want to write code to cheat. That's bad. Uh, it's easy for them to do that. And so I've heard it is occasionally unplayable depending on what situation you're in. So I have not played Apex. I, I can't do a battle royale because um, I'm bad at video games. And... I'm already bad at Overwatch and spend my time being bad at Overwatch. I feel like I should spend more time doing that than get another game that I'm going to be bad at. You can... So I have a foolproof strategy for finishing third in every Apex Legends match, pretty much. Is it hide in a bush till the end? Yes. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I can do that, but that just doesn't seem fun to me. (laughs) Yeah, it's not that great. The character design is great. Like, Apex looks dope and it's interesting and i watched a couple of streamers that i like um kind of spend some they drop in and out and checked it out but i can't the battle royale formula is just like i guess i i appreciate a game in which everyone is a loser but one person so it doesn't hurt as bad when you lose but like i'm gonna be the most loser probably i have basically retired from apex legends because not only did i never win i never won a single firefight I was in. Yeah. 
Did you play, you played on console or did you play on um, PC? PC, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I couldn't, I had friends that were trying to like get me, Overwatch friends who were trying to get me into it. And I was just like, y'all, you don't want this dead weight. Why are you asking for more dead weight to carry? It's, yeah, it's tough if you're not really good at shooters. Like there's no other gaps to fill in like with uh with overwatch like there is a support healer her name is lifeline and she's pretty cool like uh, i mean i want to cosplay her but i don't want to less necessarily play the game as her right yeah because like her powers are all about healing and stuff at the end of the day she still has to fight right she still exactly. has to win a, a like a duel right or hide in a bush better than other people yeah um yeah i mean i'm i i will say i appreciate the aesthetics of that game especially when the other two like the battle royales that come to mind for me, like the two polar ends of the spectrum, are PUBG and Fortnite. And I feel like Apex sits in this weird middle ground where like yeah. it's a little <laughs> absurd. There's an adorable not bastion robot in it. Um, but it's still kind of gritty and it's not as colorful and childlike as Fortnite. It's somewhere in the middle. Um, so I love I mean, aesthetically I loved it. I really enjoyed watching some streams of it, but nah dog. I'm I am unfortunately Jeff Kaplan owns my soul <laughs> papa jeff can have my soul as long as he'd like to keep it for every scrap of lore i will i will get i will take it one new character equals one like tenth one new lore piece is one fifth yeah exactly like yeah yep batiste though he filled a little bit more oh yeah a little bit more of my heart yeah um yeah who uh so bill what are you playing right now well, uh, I did play a little bit more of Apex Legends, which uh, went about as well as I described. <laughs> uh, I think I yeah, I'm officially done playing Resident Evil 2 now. Yay! I played through, I got the true ending on regular difficulty. I got the, uh, I just played through as Leon on Hardcore. That was what I streamed on my channel. Uh, and then I did the, the Ghost Hunters, Ghost Survivors. I did the DLC. They had extra DLC <laughs> where... It, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, yeah. They uh, change it up where it's like, okay, these characters that died in the game, you play as them. And it's like a what-if scenario of if they hmm. survived and escaped Raccoon City. Interesting. And unlike in the regular game, typically there's not really any item collection. It's it's like a run straight through a certain section of the map. Right. And it's like partly combat but partly puzzly. Because you don't have nearly enough resources. Like, you'll get started off with a few weapons and some ammo, but not nearly enough to fight everything that's in your way. You have to figure out ways to, like, get by a little creatively. And, like, the right when you start off, you're playing as this guy, the gun shop owner, and there's this, like, you know, 20 zombies between you and the parking garage you need to get to. And if you're good with, like, how the zombies move and, like, avoiding their attacks, you can get there without firing a shot. They're spaced like widely enough apart that you can do that but you have to be very tricky with how you go about it yeah it's i think that's always been one of the biggest uh benefits of the resident evil game as far like within the larger uh survival horror genre is that they understood that resource scarcity is part of what makes the game scary and part of what makes the game and it's a puzzle in and of itself without having to like build a statue that you have to match up the right pieces on like no the puzzle is there's a room of 20 zombies you have three bullets figure it out idiot <laughs> like <laughs> don't die they got a little bit of that puzzly stuff in there too but mostly oh, for sure. 
the scarcity is what drives the tension, which is pretty great. Uh, and then I guess the only new game I've been playing, and I was looking for something else competitive to try, and my, my friend was like, well, I tried Apex Legends. You, will you try this game I like? And I was like, all right, sure. And that game was League of Legends. You're playing League now? Uh, so I, I played Like seven years too late? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I, I picked it up for the very, very first time uh, a couple weeks ago. And I played for like three hours. And I mean, there is like, if you, I'm sure if you approached Overwatch now, it would be very intimidating because of how many characters there are and how many stages and all that jazz. League of Legends has like four times as many characters as Overwatch. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a lot. And you have to know like what all of them do. Right, because you have to make informed decisions about who you should play and like what you can do. That's what I was going to ask is how is, is there any inroad if you haven't played before? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, there's a tutorial, but they can only like really teach you like the, the mechanics of the game. Right. I don't know that they can really get across the metagame of like picking right. heroes and stuff. Well, and it's especially if you're not used to the game, like you could look through a roster of all the heroes and all of their abilities and all the things that they have to offer. But unless you're well versed in the game, unless you understand the mechanics, unless you understand what could constitute a meta, it's really hard to distill that into like oh i should play this one or i should learn this person i i yeah yeah like uh i tried three different characters and like i i kind of liked one her name was lux and like she was a little easier to grok because all her attacks were like energy based so she you could like kind of keep her away Mm -hmm. and do stuff and then there was uh the the guy i tried first off he was a melee character so it's like not easy to figure out like sometimes like okay how do you close distance on some of these characters like without dying right and uh and then he had this power where after 10 minutes you could uh do something with his sword and get one of two sets of different powers and like for like five minutes in game i like was trying to figure it out until eventually my friend like just went to google and looked it up and it's like Oh, you have to like go back to start and like click on this thing and then you'll transform and then you have these different powers. And it's like, I'm not saying this like you couldn't possibly understand it. Just like, it's a lot. It's a why bother at that point. Like, you do how bad do you want to get into league? Oh, not very bad at all. Right. Like, do you want to take a college course basically to figure this out? Because if so, go for it. But I I wanted to try it out uh, just to see what it's about and like. I've never played a MOBA before, so I was curious. And, like, I'll probably, like, try it, like, again just to see a little bit more. But, I mean, I'm not going to, like, seriously dive in or anything. I think it, it, I could see if you have friends who know the game really well who could, like, give you – basically just tell you who to play um, and give you some time and practice with that. Maybe that would work. But League has always been frustrating for me, too, because I really love the idea of esports. I really want to support esports. I support Overwatch because I play. I can I can understand what's happening. Um, League has always been a massive, massive esport, but I don't understand it, so I can't watch it. I've tried watching before. I have no idea what's going on. I now understand when my fiance just sort of blankly stares at the television and tries to understand Overwatch League when I watch. He has no idea because he doesn't – it's a lot – it's fast-moving. There's a lot of colors. There's a lot of shapes. You have to know a lot of things. Um, League is like that, and so it always bums me out. I wish I at least understood it better because I'd love to be able to participate and watch, um, like, playoffs, watch watch the leagues of that. That would be cool, yeah. Like, 
even though I stopped playing Overwatch a long time ago, I feel like I could still like follow what's happening in a game and like see like okay, you're doing well, you're not doing so well. Uh, but League, yeah, still even having played it, like I can barely keep track of what's going on, and I'm playing it. Right. I think League and Dota both have this problem too that Overwatch is working to overcome. I don't know how effective they are yet, but they are adding tool. Overwatch League is adding tools in the game to like when you're watching it to see status conditions, to see more information. Um, that they're adding little videos to explain game map types. Um, they're adding little pieces to try because it's on Disney XD. It's on ESPN two or three. Like it's it is playing on televisions. So they're trying to add little pieces to make it more attainable. So that you're if you're like sitting in a bar and Overwatch League comes on, that you could in theory watch it and pick up some stuff and maybe enjoy it. Um, and I don't. I wonder if like League and Dota and and some of the. I mean, I guess the fighting games like Street Fighter tournaments and stuff are. That's pretty straightforward, but still, I think they maybe know we've got a good audience. But just that those games, I think, have a big fan base. They have a lot. They get a ton of views. Um, I think, like, there have been Dota finals in the last couple of years that got more viewers than the Super Bowl. And they're just like, we're good. Like, we don't need to court more people necessarily because we've got our fan base. Um, and that's going to be a problem for esports in the long term. But I think League is pretty demonstrable of that because it is completely opaque unless you are well-versed in the game. What I found a little interesting is with, like, Street Fighter, I think that's pretty easy to grok for a casual viewer. And then uh, if you look at a game like, say, Dragon Ball Fighters or Marvel vs. Capcom, where in terms of the systems involved, there's way, way more going on with, like, the tags and the different combos and stuff you can do. But if you're watching... I think it's still pretty grokkable because it's still, at the end of the day, people punching each other. Yeah. So you know when someone gets punched, oh, that was good for the, the hitter. Right. Yeah, it's like I can watch MMA. I don't understand the nuances. I don't understand all the scoring. Same with boxing. Same with any of the – like I don't understand how it works. But I know when a dude gets punched in the face, a good thing has happened for the other guy. So, yeah, yeah so there, there are some things that you can sort of gain. I think Overwatch has some of those moments that are useful and easier for it because it is – as long as you understand the map type, it's sort of clear, oh, these guys are moving forward, that's good, unless you want the defending team to win. But, yeah, it's there's a hu- there, there's varying le- learning curves for some of these esports, and I think, I don't know. I wish I understood League. Also, character design from League is gorgeous. It's cool, yeah, and the costumes are oh really cool. God. They do w- some good stuff with that. World building is great. That, that like, K-pop song that they released recently, it's on my workout mix. It's awesome. <laughs> I really like they did like this little like basically anime intro for like these kids playing League of Legends. I was like, oh, that's really neat that they oh, did that. My God, Bill! League of Legends has the best commercials on YouTube, and it always makes me angry because especially that anime one. I didn't realize it was a League of Legends ad at first, <laughs> and I was just like, this anime looks dope. Like, I really want to. Uh, come on, it's an advertisement for League of Legends. Come on, um, so. They, I mean, they're doing so much right. It is just like, I'm like, I'm not going to pick up, you know, Chinese at this point in my life. Yeah. I just, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of work for me to get there. I think I'm still searching for a like game as a service. And I say that in quotes. Yeah. Uh, because like those tend to be less expensive or less like of a, like a output for my friends and like maybe I can get people invo- on board. Like I've looked at Final Fantasy XIV a bit. I've looked at Warframe a bit, which uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like a like a more sci-fi Borderlands where you're running around shooting stuff, basically. <sighs> I don't want to get too excited. 
I really don't because I feel like it's not I just I know I'm going to be disappointed <laughs> I need to know that they've done some things to move the like the mechanics forward and like evolved the game style it needs to be worth the wait yeah it needs to be worth the wait I want it to be written by similar the same people I want them to keep I want to see how they balance what was good about it. I mean, so we know their storytelling style. Like, there's still good stories being able to be told in that universe. Um, the pre-sequel was not a good story. Um, but the mechanics were super fun. It was still a fun game to play. The zero grav was, or the low grav was really fun to play within. Um, but Tales from the Borderlands was arguably one of the best things that um, Telltale made before they revealed themselves to be horrible, terrible people. Um <laughs> And so th- there's a lot of potential there for story, kind of. I mean, what's a Borderlands game without Jack? But still, um, I'm super excited about the idea of it coming back. But I just, I know I'm going to be disappointed by it. It's hard to, yeah. Like, if your expectations are that the past seven years have been put into making a new game that, like, takes the genre forward, I'm not sure that any game can really meet that. And I'm not putting that on you necessarily it's we're probably where more my head is at than anything yeah i just it's going to be an andromeda situation and that's what worries me yeah like usually when a game is in the oven that long it's not because they're spending their time refining it. it's because something got messed up along the way and they had to restart yeah and i just i mean i know that there, i know people that are excited about the game still and i know it's still an important game for lots of people and the old ones still hold up i actually started recently i had a i think i talked about this on a podcast a while ago but i bought the handsome jack collection for like ten dollars at gamestop and started playing through the old games and like it totally still holds up it's still really fun um but yeah, it's also like, what's the appetite for it now? Like, how bad do people want it? Is it going to be worth the time? Will you make up for the fact that, uh, you know, 2K Australia made a subpar story in your game that actually is really shockingly a very narrative heavy, very narrative forward game? I don't know. We'll see. We will. I did panic, though, when I saw that image on Twitter. <laughs> like, I totally freaked out. So um, something in me still... Mostly, I just want to see Tiny Tina again. I want to see my sweet chaos daughter. You'll probably be able to just like watch it. I'm sure it's going to be, I think, in the main theater at PAX. So they'll like live stream that if you need to check it out. Oh, I'm sure. And it'll be on. Tw- I mean, I'll be, I'll be able to be on Twitter and people will scream accordingly. Yeah. It'll be it'll be exciting. I'm definitely curious to see what reveal or if, if we hear anything else interesting from PAX this year. I think that's the uh, Gearbox is the big company in terms of like what they're showing. I think uh, Bandai and Namco is going to show a game, but I think it was one of the ones that showed up at the Nintendo showcase the other day. Which yeah, is, it's called. I think it's going to be this game called Rad, mm-hmm. which it kind of looked like Legend of Zelda, but you're a mutant. Ooh, it was. It wasn't Fun. bad, but yeah, yeah I don't think yeah. it's going to be some like massive. Oh my god! Can we talk about Nintendo and how they are just everyone's terrible ex boyfriend right now? In what regard? <laughs> so the their awareness at how bad we need an Animal Crossing and their desire to form this toxic relationship in which they vaguely adjacently hint at but then don't ever actually talk about Animal Crossing. Um, like the recent tweet with Tom Nook saying like, I know what you guys should do with your tax return, but then implying like just buy a Switch, which like <laughs> yeah. don't use Tom. 
don't do that. Yeah. We want Animal Crossing. You haven't given it to us yet. We were expecting our big reveal in the last big direct, and it wasn't Animal Crossing, and I'm very upset about it. I just want to... I just want. I just want to play Animal Crossing on my Switch. If you're a person who likes the first party Nintendo games on your Switch, it might be. You might not have a lot to look forward to right now. I don't know. There's like there's Fire Emblem. There's yeah. another Pokemon game, and. Yeah, the Pokemon game is interesting. They're porting Zelda. Um, oh yeah, there's the Link's Awakening. Yeah, which is going to be fine. They're putting Cuphead on there, but man, Cuphead is a very specific game that, if it's not your thing, it is not your thing. I'm curious to see how well Cuphead runs on the Switch. Like, I just kind of want to know as like yeah. for science. Yeah, for science. I'm not playing it. I I Shelby knows Shelby well enough to know that's a terrible life choice. It's very frustrating, but fun. It's so pretty though. I wish that I it wasn't a gameplay style that I hated, um, because. It is a beautiful game. But yeah, so I Switch is I feel like Switch is sort of at this point where they need to start making some some bigger moves and statements. Um yeah. and new Pokemon is like isn't not a statement, but I don't know. I feel like they need to really keep stepping up and keep releasing things. They're not doing bad. Yeah. No. They're not doing like bad business, but right now the thing I like about the Switch is like it's kind of like a better PlayStation Vita. Yeah. All the indie games come out on the Switch, and then I can play my Switch on the go. This is true. This uh, is it does have that benefit for sure. Um, but yeah, like I don't know. It's they have to. I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do long term as far as following up, like mm, Super Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild. Like they set the bar so high initially, um, that like remastering Link's Awakening even Animal Crossing like isn't gonna touch what they were able to do with those two games those are arguably two of the best games ever made and the thing is with those games those were almost certainly you know I don't know for sure I'm not a doctor but I would bet a non-zero amount of money that they were in development for the Wii U and they were able to like just push them back and that's why they had them both in the first year on the Switch is like they basically punted the latter half of the development cycle for the Wii U and stop putting stuff out for it. And thank God that they did for those two games. And and yeah, that whole first year they had a ton of stuff that they were rolling out. Like basically every month they had a big like Nintendo release, even if it was just like Mario Kart for the Wii U ported to the switch. Like no one, I mean not no one, but a lot of people never played the Wii U. So like it was basically a new Mario Kart. Oh my Wii U. I, I was so sad about the Wii U. It had so much potential um, the ability to like have a tablet in front of you and then play a game. Like there was so much potential that was literally never realized. If they could go back and like somehow make the switch so you could like throw it to the screen, like I guess they're not really capable. It's probably not technically possible, but if they- that's the one thing from the Wii U that was cool that they weren't able to bring over with the switch. Yeah, it would be, it would be great. I mean, I think it's definitely technically possible. Whether they think it's worth it is another question. Yeah. But yeah, uh, well, we'll see. I, I'm, you know, E3 is coming up in a couple months, and we'll see what uh, Nintendo looks like then. Yeah, there's definitely some new stuff that's looking decent on down the road. So, but I'm not, I'm not feeling the hard hype. Oh, that's not true. I am feeling the hard hype train because we are going to get a new Dragon Age soon, and that yeah, soon adjacent. <laughs> Maybe by 2021. I don't know. They've been teasing. Dreadwolf lives. But, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to get my hopes up on it. And also, again, it's going to take so long that, like, I don't want to get my hopes up on it. Yeah. Um, 
But they set up a hell of a story with the DLC for Inquis- Inquisition, so it'd be a pity to leave that. It's not like it's not like Mass Effect, where Mass Effect was a core trilogy that they then took the universe. Li- well, actually, literally a, a different universe. Like they shifted, but yeah. they stayed in the same sort of area. Um, whereas this, like the story's not done. There, there is a story to continue to be told um, about the least romanceable character in all of Dragon Age that people are inexplicably obsessed with um and that like that conversation needs to happen and that story needs i want that narrative so i don't know i have to i'm gonna hold out hope some hope that 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 will come out eventually and that the new borderlands won't be bad let's hold out hope yeah that they get to make dragon age 4 and that (sighs) borderlands 3 comes out and is good and let Dragon Age 4 be better than Andromeda, please. Please, Bioware. <laughs> Andromeda was so bad. Or just subpar, which is almost worse. I wish it was blatantly bad. Oh, I totally forgot. I did try and play more. I, I did. Pl- I, I think I talked before about how I played some Andromeda. I tried to play more, and I couldn't. Yeah, we talked about it. It really is. I hate it, it. It is incredibly subpar. Like, it's not even. it's not even bad enough to be bad. It's like there's just enough there that it made me want to keep going to see, like, the next thing that reminded me of mass effect yeah exactly combat sucked combat was so irritating i just I hated didn't it i hate the actual combat i hated how much of it there was yeah it just is it's not good enough to sustain that much combat and like the exploration and like the cyber sudoku yeah i i i wish that a company like telltale existed that could just steal those stories and just tell that story so i didn't have to play that garbage game but could find out what the story was because i i started it twice i still couldn't get further than like five hours into it yeah i got to like the second main planet basically so i think i got maybe a little farther yeah i i meant jaw jaw jom nope that's a monster factory character (laughs) did you get to eos I don't know. Did you? They have the big noodle-headed hot guys. Oh, I didn't see those people yet. So maybe you got farther than me. I must have gotten further. My first playthrough, I got further. I think. Yeah, I just like I and I am notorious for forgetting to go back to longer games. Like, I still haven't finished Spider-Man yet, even though it's incredibly good. But I am sad that I haven't done that. Whereas, like Andromeda, I've literally tried to start it twice and just aggressively not cared. Hmm. Just aggressively did not give a shit about it. Yeah, it's too bad. It is too bad rip whatever i'll just f f yeah no you know what no respects wow i pay no respects wow wow pog jam shelby we gotta go we gotta go oh god that reminded me this we'll talk off mic okay uh so uh thank you so much shelby for talking about overwatch and the games we've been playing uh if you want people to find you online or in person where can they find you just turn around i'm right behind you (gasps) Just kidding. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at Shelby underscore Fawn, F-A-W-N. Uh, you can also find the storytelling show and podcast that my fiance and I produce called Your Stories on Facebook at Your Stories or on Twitter at Your Stories Show. As for us, we can be reached by email at so many bits podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. We're so many bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at so many bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download from Spreaker, from SoundCloud, from YouTube, uh, or Spotify. Uh, we have another podcast, A Year in 20 Life, my memoirs about Magic the Gathering. 
Uh, I play games on Twitch, twitch.tv slash so many bits, Wednesday and Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central Time, Wednesdays for Magic the Gathering, Thursdays for a variety of games. And thank you very much for listening. Have a great summer. It's still not a thing. It's going to be a thing. It's going to be. We're going to make it a thing. Don't say we. I'm not implicated in this. Hags. Hags.